0: Thank you for your time. But the first question is, do I call you Bailey, Mike, Speedball?
1: Speedball, Mike Bailey, how do you like to be called? Um, You can call me whatever you want. Uh, I'm okay with either, honestly, Speedball. So I've been called all three. In Japan, they call you by your last name. So I am used to be called Bailey from there as well. Uh, Speedball, I like. Mike, I like as well. So please, your choice.
0: (laughs) Well, Mike, thank you for taking the time. You've had a fantastic run in Impact And it just keeps getting better and better and better. Did you know it was going to go this great when you signed there? Or are you just
1: taking it one week at a time? I mean, yes, I did. And that's the exact reason I signed there. I mean, I knew the level of talent that was going around. I am, of course, uh, familiar with the X Division. I've been a fan my entire life, almost. And the exact reason I joined Impact was to mix it up uh, with all the, the, the absolutely top tier world-class wrestlers that are in the X division. And I am not surprised that it has been going this well.
0: So you're one of those self-belief positivity people. Have you always been that case or just in the last couple of years, as things got better, you then got uh, optimistic about things.
1: So I don't consider myself an optimist. I consider myself a realist. Um, and so, Because I don't think it's like blind optimism and going, ah, no matter what, it'll go well. No, in fact, I'm extremely anxious and calculating. And so there was a lot of thought that went into, you know, that decision. And I take every match extre- extremely seriously. And there's no, like, there's no, no positivity. There's no blind faith that anything will ever go right. However, uh, I spent many, many years developing the skill set that I bring to the ring. Yeah. Uh, as have you know, all the excellent wrestlers that make up impact wrestling. So it's more, it's more mathematics than positivity. Hmm.
0: Well, speaking of awesomeness, you're going to Louisville, Kentucky for some impact events in the very near future. Is that a city that you spend much time in?
1: So unfortunately not. Uh, this is going to be my third time performing in Louisville for impact wrestling this year. And this is my curse as a professional wrestler is going to all these great cities and getting to enjoy none or very little of them. Uh, I, it's, I make a conscious effort sometime to take an extra day uh, when my busy schedule allows it to you know sightsee and enjoy the local foods. Uh, but I have not gotten to enjoy much of Louisville yet. And I would absolutely love to uh, because I have faith in it being a great city. Because I know the audiences that come to watch Impact over there at Old Forester Hall are always fantastic and loud and supportive, and I appreciate that immensely. So, yeah, I, I think I should spend more time in Louisville, I should make an effort.
0: Well, is it the difficult part about seeing the city? Is it the old wrestler thing of you get into the city, you get the rental car, you got to go to the gym, you got to tan? you wrestle, then you're there for a couple of hours after that, and then there's no time? Or is it more of you're going appearance to appearance, or do you just like to sleep?
1: Uh, Quite frankly, it's a mix of all. I mean, the sleeping goes into the preparation. Uh, I always do a lot of uh, match watching, a lot Mm -hmm. of watching footage. uh, When I know my match in advance, I always make sure to be prepared for that, which usually means an extra couple hours of watching watching some wrestling uh, ahead of doing some wrestling, which you know adds up to the other appearances and the tanning and the gym and all of that. So, yeah, it's a combination.
0: You're a student of the game still at this high level. You're still studying tape. That's admirable.
1: Well, uh, of course, but I, I don't think that's an option. I don't think that's a negotiable thing. I think if I want to, if I want to maintain the level at which I perform, being a student of the game is a, is a no brainer. It's a necessary step in the process.
0: Does that have to do with your history in Japan, for the most part, because it's a, it's a sport. It's taken more seriously in Japan than in some parts of the States per se. But the people that train you are very instrumental in your long-term profession. So do your Japanese roots have to do with why you study tape and why you're not uh, at every craft brewery within a, a five-mile zone of the event?
1: Um, so that's very hard to say, uh, but I, I, so I, I will disagree with you. Definitely not the craft brewery thing, because if there's anything I've learned about wrestling in Japan is that uh, the way over there is to do both is to study tape all morning and then wrestle and then spend the rest of the night at the craft brewery. Uh, but uh, I don't know, honestly, that's hard to tell if you had a, a control control version of speedball, Mike Bailey that didn't spend so much time in Japan. Uh, I wonder if I would be doing the same thing, but I think yes. Uh, because again, it's very common in professional wrestling. Uh, if you're attempting to be one of the best wrestlers in the world, no matter what your path has been, you put the utmost care and effort into every match.
2: Hmm.
0: What's life like for you outside of the ring, outside of that studying tape, outside of being ready? Is there much
1: life? There is, there absolutely is. Uh, there is a there's a conscious effort to have as much life as possible outside of of professional wrestling and to get to enjoy the time. It's very easy. I'm extremely busy, of course, mm-hmm. uh, between uh, professional wrestling, being on the road three, four days a week, uh, as well as, you know, trying to uh, put out as much content as they're related to that and editing vlogs, uh, creating thumbnails, spending time streaming on Twitch. Yeah. Uh, Something, again, that I have gotten better at uh, over the last several years, I want to say, especially due to my wife, Veda Scott, with whom I travel very often, is that whenever we can, try to get our flight uh, an extra day late and spend some time. For example, um, just on this past Sunday, we were both at PWG in LA and we booked ourselves a red eye for the next day. Just so that we could go check out a couple museums, spend some time in LA. But that's a that that's a difficult thing for most professional wrestlers. It's so easy, and there's always a lot of my on my mind, and uh, I have to be conscious about you know take an extra day to sightsee, which I love to do. One of my favorite things in the world is uh, traveling, discovering new places. So uh, that's a big part of it.
0: Any museum recommendations from that LA trip?
1: Uh, so this was the uh, what's it called? I. I blanking on the name right now the M O C A. no no this was the academy museum of film i think mm. uh, which was very nice uh a, a very very pleasant experience um and i think that's the only museum i've ever seen in la we're thinking about the la zoo we do love zoos uh we'll be going to the uh, cincinnati zoo sometime in the next week most likely around a, a trip to dayton for pro wrestling revolver but uh yeah we like we like zoos we like museums we like sightseeing we like walking around walking around in cities is honestly without a plan probably one of my favorite things
0: amen to that are you also the type that picks up the souvenirs when you go to the zoos and the museums
1: no i am not i am not a collector of things at all and i think i should be cuz i've come across a lot of like fun wrestling memorabilia and stuff that i probably should have kept but never did i mean for Due to traveling so much and for the last, I want to say, maybe 10 years of my life, I've been living essentially out of a suitcase and have barely, yeah. barely had a home just constantly moving. I just haven't considered amassing that many possessions like toys and stuff are, are interesting and fun, but I've never really spent much time. However, one thing I am uh, consciously making an effort to do, given that people are so kind in buying speedball, might be like T-shirts and stickers and stuff is buying more shirts and clothing to, you know, help support the organizations I want to support. I'm not wearing it now, I wish I was, but I, you know, we went to Columbus Zoo recently and I picked up a Columbus Zoo shirt that I wear proudly. Hmm.
0: The free advice that I'll give you is, the souvenir that you buy in every city is the refrigerator magnet. They uh-huh. take up no space, and then you have a whole door or wall of fridge magnets,
1: See, that's very smart.
0: Yeah, every now and then, the smart thing comes out of this guy's mouth. That, that was the <laughs> one for the day. So the last question before I let you go, do you have a TV recommendation, a show that we should be watching that you say is great and or the wife says is great, and that's that?
1: So on a plane I just watched, um, and this is my favorite thing. This is always the best flights. And uh, I'm going to go back, and I'm actually going to recommend two shows. Because one of the greatest flights I ever had was on the way back from Japan, which was a 13-hour flight from Tokyo yeah. to Montreal. And I stumbled across a, a show called The Night Of, mm. which is on, on HBO Max. And they had the whole it's – a, it's a miniseries, so there's only one season. But they had the whole show on one flight. And if you can find an entire uh, season to watch, yeah. that's always, that's always going to make the flight go by so much faster. Because the problem with movies is you watch one, it's great. And then you have to pick another one. And then you have to, you know, check in. Uh, But I started watching a show called 61st Street. Oh, yeah. uh, Which is very rough, but very well done and very enjoyable. Uh, I got to watch the first four episodes on my flight back from L.A. And I would definitely recommend it.
0: I think that's on AMC.
1: That is on AMC. That's correct.
0: Every now and then this guy knows something. But anyway, (laughs) looking forward to seeing you wear some championship gold for a long, long time in the future, but keep up all the greatness. And I hope you get to have that extra day in Louisville as well.
1: Thank you so much. Outro
0: Cal and Rupali, how's your day going aside from answering the same questions over and over and over again?
3: You know, pretty great. Cool. You can't complain. We we love the, the show. So it's, it's a, a, a lot of fun to talk about.
4: Cool.
0: Rupali, how many of the Santa Claus movies did you get to see before landing this wonderful role?
4: Only the first one, actually. I'm hoping to watch the second and third one this Christmas, but uh, I'm really excited about that. Yeah.
0: Same question at you, Cal.
3: Sorry, say that again.
0: Uh, same question what? at you. How many of the films had you had the pleasure of seeing oh, before?
3: I had seen them all, which which only made me more excited. I mean, I saw the first one that came out, I think, when I was uh, when I was in high school, so all uh, only contributed to the excitement.
0: Uh, Rupali, had you worked with anybody from the cast before being cast in this wonderful role?
4: Actually, no. This is actually my first ever TV show or miniseries or movie um, that I've ever done. So this is actually really important moment for me.
0: What was your first impression of Cal?
3: Yeah, what was your Um, first impression of Cal?
4: Actually we never really talked for like the first scene we were just like looking away from each other in awkward silence sure so yeah oh, like when we whenever we started the scene
3: yeah
4: i remember you were doing this yep. but you were really nice and the more i got to know you the more comfortable i got to be with you but yeah
3: She's not wrong. That first scene that we shot together, I think that was when the drones come through the window, right? Yeah. So there's this, uh, it, it's a pitch. I, I play a tech bro. It's a pitch that I'm giving, uh, to a bunch of investors. And so the combo of like having your daughter there and being in the, in the tech world zone, um, probably not the, the most like friendly to meet your, uh, your coworkers, but it was, it was a blast.
2: Yeah.
0: Pally, uh, great show of course congratulations on this one do you have any other favorite shows on disney plus
4: um i do watch a lot of shows but i don't know their names i do like to watch live and maddie i finished that series and yeah that's that's probably one of the uh, most watched shows that i've watched yeah
0: same question at you cal any disney plus favorites besides this one
3: um yeah, I uh, there's a lot of nature stuff that I'm kind of addicted to. Not like not like equestrian champion kind of like yeah. uh, sports stuff. But but, uh, you know, tra- the, the nacho tab, especially um, any any planetary exploration kind of stuff. I'll just be sitting there spaghetti and meatballs or tacos devouring television. But a lot of the stuff that I also watch is like like I'm excited for the new crown uh season. I know they're still shooting it. Um, I'm kind of all over the map with what i what I like and what I watch.
0: Well, congratulations to both of you on this happening. You know it it's must be exciting to have a timeless holiday-oriented series actually come out. So look forward to what's coming next from both of you.
3: Thank you. I appreciate Thanks. it.., Outrocast. are you
0: dialing in from Nashville?
2: I am. Yeah, from my home. It's a beautiful day here, so it's this nice breeze, and it's fall. I love it. It's my favorite time of the year.
0: I remember hearing a decade or so ago that you were in Nashville. When did you actually move there?
2: Oh, gosh. I've been back and forth to Nashville. I think the first time I moved here was in the early 90s and stayed about six, seven years, and then moved back to L.A. This time I've been here, oh, I want to say 17 years, something like that. It's been a while been a while i've spent more time here in nashville now than i than being an la girl so that's a little weird for me
0: they uh, the reason i ask is because most of the la people seem to have moved to vegas or nashville but you were ahead of the pack on all that
2: i was yes uh well i started you know coming to nashville when i was like nine and ten so i started in country music actually a lot of people don't know that and uh, that's really what was played in my home for my family and that was my early musical influence and I uh, started singing around LA uh, and some in Vegas any clubs that would have me I didn't you know I'd go in the club and do my stand by your man and my Patsy Clines and three or four songs and then out the door I went because I was too young to be in the club but um, that was kind of the earlier way that you know my dad didn't really know how to get me started uh, so you know listen to bands and where they got it and demo tapes all the organic you know kind of stuff and um and then it ended up where he met Hoyt Axton and he was a huge fan my dad was and uh obviously went to a lot of their shows and met Hoyt and and mentioned to him Mm -hmm. you know I have a daughter that wants to sing and I said oh that's great uh and then it went on and on and on for them then my dad brought back a demo tape like a couple months later, he was back in town and doing a show. He goes, well, this is my daughter's songs, you know, listen to her, please. And uh, Hoyt actually really listened to it. And then he told my dad, here's the deal. My mom's a manager, May Axton in Nashville. I suggest she could give her a call and maybe she can help. So that was my first manager. She brought me to Nashville and I started, you know, I started on the Nashville scene then.
0: <laughs> Ahead of the pack, but Bringing it forward just a few decades now, your new record, Shadows, when did you actually finish it? Because it's not still out for another couple of weeks.
2: It is, November 25th is the street date, you get to hear it, yay, finally. Uh, I was finished right before COVID, it wasn't mastered, but all the writing was done, we were ready to go, we had a tour, like all of it was, you know, like all of us, we had all our stuff going, and then COVID happened. And uh, of course, obviously you can't tour, so it's not a good time to release the album. So pulling it back and it was released, it was supposed to be released again last year, but I pulled it back. Although I had been out on the road doing shadows, if you will, the tour, showing the Mm -hmm. music to the fans, um, because those dates were booked in a line with that release date. So I either had to cancel those shows and I just really kind of felt that, you know, so many people were struggling when it was safe to go about, you know, doing shows with social distancing, those venues really needed, you know, somebody that was going to come. I mean, they didn't really need another entertainer to pull out. And I work a lot of other small businesses. I have a cooking club. I have an online boutique. And, you know, I know what it's like to be small business as being an independent artist. So we all band together and I wanted to honor those commitments and plug through. What the good thing about that is I got to test the music out on the fans. I got to, you know, show them what's up and coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of my existing fans over the years were like, whoa, you know, <laughs> but they love the music. But it was, it was a little bit of a head turn. You know, I've been building up since the Color of silence, saying, you know, I've got more in me people than you might know. Um, I'm more in depth. There's a lot more to tell. There's more to Tiffany than what you think. Mm-hmm. And since then, I've been showing that. But I think Shadows really kind of bust down those doors a little bit. And it was awesome to see existing fans from, you know, my gay fan base to my overly pop fan base to the new kids on the block fan base to, you know, my true tiffs to people that are more of the rock mindset wanting to just check it out. It was great to see all of them kind of go, yeah, I like the music. Okay, like I get it. Um, and I think that's something that you, you know, you can do all the videos you want. You can do, mm-hmm. you know, it's great to talk about it. It's, you know, thank you for your time. It's, it's awesome. But there's something about seeing it live. That's where, you know, you get the true yes and amen. Um, and I am a live performer. That's what I do best, I feel. Yep. Um, and, you know, having the right band behind me. I've got a couple of guys from L.A. Guns in my band. Um, and we just Wait, go out and rock Which guys from
0: L.A. Guns are in your band? That, that's a great band
2: johnny martin and scott coogan are with me Scott's and uh, we started brides of,
0: brides of destruction uh he yes. does doesn't he also sing backup and he was on an all for one album
2: oh i believe so yes i do believe so he's got a great voice actually scott is multi-talented uh yeah. and he's a great great guy so i enjoy being out on the road with those guys we start again in february spot dates Um, not really gonna do a full tour tour on this one we've kind of upped the production so a lot of the smaller clubs that we go to aren't going to really fit for this but I really just want to make it you know strategic and kind of up the stakes if you will more production more fancy I call it zhuzhing more zhuzh it up um, and really get the message out there you know with booking those shows in strategic places a lot of places I haven't done that are on my wish list so I'm throwing that up to my agent um, now, But, you know, we'll be touring uh, America, we'll be touring the UK, mm-hmm. Australia is in the works now. And I really hope to go back to, you know, some of the Asian, you know, some, some of the Asian countries, you know, like uh, Japan would be great. I'd love to get over there. Um, uh, Singapore is always great for me. Uh, Malaysia, I'd love to go back there. These are all my wish lists Thailand. <laughs> But cool. I, I mean, not just music, but also the food influence. Like I said, I have a cooking club. Let's feed with Tiffany. I'd love to go work with some of the chefs there. And it, to me, I mean, nowadays, you know, after COVID, we just got to live our lives. And food and music packages together are awesome. There are a lot of great night, fun, you know, good one stop for your money. So mm-hmm. I'm working that. And then we're working some rock stuff. And I think it all comes together. It's going to take a second to connect the dots. But, the you know, if you just live your life and you love what you're doing and you're true, I think you will find your tribe. And that's kind of what I'm doing now.
0: You mentioned a bunch of different job titles, but you didn't mention your acting career, which you've had success in. <laughs> so, yes, in very words, serious stuff. You, you have a lot of different meanings to a lot of different people. That's something I admire about you in that. When somebody goes, we want to see, quote, the 80s pop star, you'll do that stuff, but you've evolved and you've grown so that there is the food stuff, there is the acting, there's the entrepreneurial stuff. I'd heard about a shop that, or two that you've had in the Nashville area. So mm-hmm. you've managed to not just reinvent yourself, but have a multifaceted career and a sense of humor about the whole thing. When did yes. you start to feel at peace about all that and stop chasing major label stuff?
2: Oh, uh, a while ago, actually. That's probably been 10 years now, at least. Um, you know, it, it's, if it works for you, it's great. But um, a lot of my experiences was, you know, hurry up and wait. And then hurry up and do committees and hurry up. And we did a lot of talking about music rather than releasing music and seeing results. And for me, that's just mentally not cool. I like freak out. Um, I'm a doer. And, you know, I don't want to do things in the wrong direction, but I also want to do things, you know. So that was very hard for me, especially like having albums where we're all on the go. You have all these meetings, you've got these plans. And then all of a sudden they get fired or they leave the company. And now you're with a new A&R person who's like, eh, not really feeling it. It's like, well, yeah. it's done and I paid for it and this is it. Feel it, hug it. I don't care, make it happen, you know? And you just, you can't do that. You know, people either have to be into it or they're not. Um, and that's what I'm finding, you know, with everything I'm doing, there has to be a passion there. So my new label Deco, they're really cool. They're small but they love music. That's a mm-hmm. good start, right? They like, you know, they get entertainers. That's a good start. Um, and they're, here, they're there to help facilitate, you know, success in my dreams, um, you know? And so it's not really just about the money. It's not just about, you know, the protocol. The, it's really a heart thing. And I wanted to find, again, there's finding your tribe. You know, I wanted to find people who are on that level. Mm -hmm. you know um who support me however big or small um and however again like i was just having a meeting with a label and for some reason they didn't know about my cooking club and they're like holy shit like this is great you know they didn't look at it as taking attention away from the album what do you mean they were like what does that entail i'm like well i do tip takeovers and i go in and i chef and i work with chefs and i do a little acoustic thing you know and We can also do some of the acoustic stuff from shadows and break it down there. You know, I've worked really hard behind the scenes to make it valid at first. It was kind of a shit show because I didn't know what I was doing and it was in COVID and, you know, you just didn't know what to do, but I had to do something. And I was, you know, very grateful for the lifelines I was given. Um, But now it's much more solidified, much more professional and, And chefs are calling me and I'm getting to have people really taste my food. And the evenings are really being booked as a real deal. Um, That, you know, is, again, something that the fan experience, food and music goes hand in hand. Um, You know, what we try to do is keep that edge. We kind of keep it in the realm of shadows, Uh, you know, so I'm not wearing a bunch of different personality hats, if you will. You know, I'm not momming it out on the cooking thing and then rocking it out on this. And it's all one, an extension of Tiffany. And you know that's hard enough to find, even in the cooking world, find people in that world. You know, some things don't work for me. But these evenings that we're putting together are going to really help support the album. I think they're going to be a great thing as well, woven in between the shadows touring, that you can have a different experience with me and you know see the music shadows broken down acoustically and have a great night.
0: When you're interviewing an artist about their new album, you go, how would you describe your sound? As a chef, how would you describe your cuisine? Do you have a specific description of what you do?
2: My food is inspired by my travels, really. From mom and, mom, mom and pop places to you know, high-end restaurants, mostly international foods that uh, I love traveling. You know, I don't like flying, but I like traveling. Mm. I love the experience of meeting new people, different cultures, and what makes them tick. And I think the heart, you know, is a lot of it in the kitchen, it's where your family is, it's where, you know, all of that, when you go out, you have that great experience of dining with people, especially now after COVID, that one on one connection. So Mm -hmm. my food is really a take and infusion on that. Um, And it's mostly earthy, I love a lot of savory and earthy uh, combinations. I like spicy, not everything is spicy, but there's always an option to add. uh, Because I, I, I definitely keep in my red hair. I'm a hothead. Um, you know, I, I love spicy. I've always loved spicy. So a lot of chili influence. I grew up in LA. So right. There's obviously Mexican food. You were from my South base. Central LA, right? Oh yes. I'm from East LA actually, Norwalk, California representing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, you know, that's all Latin food. That was all Mexican food. So I got great, firsthand with being in the kitchens of people's grandmas and moms and helping because that's what you did back then you helped in the kitchen um but I learned so much and I didn't even know that's what was being I was going to use that later my own family base half of my family you know is from the south so there's these great southern dishes I mean amazing stuff I didn't know that was called soul food until I met the new kids on the block and they told me to was, took me to a soul food restaurant I'm like my grandma has more soul than y'all i don't know what you're talking about like she's making cornbread and black eyed peas and all this this is what i eat at home right so this is food funny is you know good food. Good food i'm i'm partly arabic lebanese um so you know strong cooks in my family all about gathering feeding people and that's what i love to do as well Outrocast.